Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Snapshot, episode 39. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom, KM Best. KM, your week in Marvel Snap, sir. A lot of Loki. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing on stream is every day I'll try to find a deck that isn't Loki to play. Mm. And then I'll find that deck, and then I'll lose a bunch of cubes with it. And then I will go back to playing Loki. It's not even so much that the decks aren't good. It's just like, at the highest level, I feel like Loki beats pretty much everything that isn't Cerebro 3. Mm-hmm. And I can't escape the feeling because like I have to have about a 60% win rate to climb mm-hmm. where I'm at. And there are decks that can be like, okay, but for the most part, the fact that you're playing them against good Loki players means that you're just food a lot of the time. Like decks that would be fine to play into Loki at perhaps lower levels of play are absolutely not fine to play into Loki at the top end, is my experience. I've come to believe that Loki is maybe the most skill testing deck in Marvel Snap. And then there's the mirrors, which are just like they're skill testing. But once you both know what you're doing, it's very much just a who drew what game. Yeah, I feel like that's that tends to be how a lot of mirrors go in in most games is, uh, you know, even the ones where the decks, they feel like they're very skill oriented. It's like once you get to the, the limit where the players both know um, exactly what they're doing, yep. they just become very draw heavy. How do you find the experience as a content creator and a player? You know, looking back to maybe an era of conquest where you'd stream conquest on screen, you'd be going for the five O's, you'd be going for the uh, the infinity conquest, which is it's challenging, right? But you definitely could choose maybe not the 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 most S tier deck like this, the pinnacle, yes. you could choose a sort of a tier one deck, something yes. slightly under that and play. Um, but currently in the latter system, that doesn't seem to really be an option, or at least a very viable. If option. you're, if you're trying to climb, you're throwing, if you're not playing Loki, mm-hmm. like, and I do think that there's like something to be said for like a skill, a skill diff in the deck. I still see people playing the deck really badly. I still see people who don't understand you need to have different plans for different matchups. Don't understand that the power of the deck is the versatility, not the fact that you just YOLO Loki and win every time. It's that you're so many decks in one. And also it's a deck that, of course, scales with, you know, knowing what your opponent is doing. So then, you know, if you're going to be a Loki deck or a different deck in this matchup, it scales with knowing how to deploy your opponent's plan and knowing what to focus on out of your opponent's plan. So like in, in a Loki mirror, Quinjet's not very good because board space is important and hand size is important. But against high Evo, Quinjet is really good because what you really want to do is Loki them on four into like a four cost six drop, a one cost Cyclops and like a Misty Knight and a Sunspot. And then you play that into their wave turn and then you win the game, right? In those situations, like the, the the fact that like there are just two decks where one Quinjet is just not a card you want to play and the other one is like Quinjet is one of the best cards you could play is like there's a lot of that in the Loki deck. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like the major thing that people don't seem to get. They don't think about it the right way. They think of it like a high roll deck or whatever. And so they play it badly. But one of the things that really sticks out to me is despite all of that, I checked the stats on Snap.fam. Mm-hmm. And Loki has a higher played win rate than the Infinite and the Living Tribe. <laughs> played win rate, <laughs> like, but the um... like played win rate. Played win rate is like the most bullshit stat that has ever existed because it is biased towards cards like the Infinite and the Living Tribunal. Mm-hmm. And after Infinite, this patch Loki has a higher played win rate than those cards. Yeah, which is which is pretty incredible. I mean, you talk about. <clears throat> Some players playing the deck badly. What do you think is the the number one mistake most of players are making? So one of the ones I see a lot is, I mean, I think most generally speaking, it's understanding what your opponent is doing and how you interact with it. But mm-hmm. a little bit more specifically, like uh, if you're playing my build of the deck, I see a lot of people playing Snow Guard on one. And if they don't have a Loki in hand and they aren't planning to Loki on three, there's no real reason to actually do that because the turn you play Loki is if it's not going to be a Loki on three game, you can pair snow guard with Loki on four and there's no downside to that, right? You are also going to be able to save the snow guard for like a collector. If you have that in your hand, right? You, you, you there, that's one of the ones I see a lot. Another one is I'll see people like on turn four in matchups where they should be prioritizing, like in a Loki mirror, 
I'll see people play a kitty then Loki. Mm-hmm. And it's like that should almost never happen. Like that, that card is so much more valuable as another shot at high rolling your opponent's Loki than it is as a kitty pride. Mm-hmm. And that like there's just like stuff where it's like I see people misidentify what the matchup they're in is by using just like heuristics, right? Like, oh, well, I mean, that's what I do. I play Kitty, right? It's a snow guard. It costs one. I play it on turn one, right? I don't have to think about whether or not that'll brick my hand with the Agent Colson. I don't think I have to think about if I go snow guard, Sentinel, Agent Colson, I end up not being able to top deck Loki. Only you do have to think about that stuff. <laughs> like You have to think about it all the time. I don't have to think about whether or not playing Kitty plus Loki is right. Kitty's always right, except sometimes a one four is not going to be that good and other cards will, right? Like, and there's even context to that one. Like if you have an Angela and you think that Angela is going to be really important, then maybe the kitty is the card that makes sense. Maybe it is. Maybe that extra two points matters a ton. I don't exactly know because these are very contextual decisions. Mm-hmm. But basically the mistake people make is not approaching them in context mm-hmm. and playing from heuristics with Loki. Another mistake people make is not understanding when they need to just be like a Cosmo deck or whatever. Like in a matchup against something like Phoenix Force or whatever, if you can if you can just get them with that, that is how you win. You don't win by giving them your deck <laughs> like, or you don't win by getting their deck a lot of the time. Like mm-hmm. you win by playing mid range Angela collector Legion Cosmo, right? Like you can just win like that. And I think a lot of people tend to just get sucked into like, I'm going to do the broken thing. And they don't understand that it's not actually that broken against a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe players are not correctly turn mapping enough in that deck and just kind of focusing yeah. on the individual in a vacuum rather than sort of holistically looking at the game. Um, do you feel like the new ladder system is forcing the meta into more like a more homogenous state due to how... Um, thin the margins are when it comes to winning at the highest level and then naturally in any sort of card game meta it does seem like the the large majority of the decks that are played um or in in most of the games that are played are just kind of copying the the top end and the top end prior to the the leaderboard system was infinite conquest it was tournaments but in infinite conquest and in tournaments you could see you know a variety of decks winning at any time right i mean we've been talking on this podcast it's like Uh, no yeah that's not ladder that's not ladder's fault that's loki's fault Okay, so yeah, so you think that <laughs> so is Loki? Is it is it overwhelmingly more powerful yes. than any other sort of top? Uh, I don't know what you would say dominant top tier decks that we've had in the past. Here's what I can tell you: mm-hmm. I have played more than six hundred games of Loki and in Infinite. Mm-hmm. My record is like four hundred and two hundred. Pretty good for that's a card berserk. Game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's <laughs> not okay. Like, I, here's another one. I have one non Loki deck that is over a 50% win rate at high infinite mm-hmm. one. Like, it's not it's not like, I'm sorry. It's like, it's not the meta. It's not that it's just like at the highest level, the deck is the best deck by a significant margin. And I feel like people are going to be like counterpoint. I sorted by a uh, hundred plus data on untapped. And it's like, all right, look, the gap between rank one and the bottom of infinite is as far as i can tell based on sp about five thousand sp which is about the same as the gap between the bottom of infinite and a player who has been playing for like a day Mm -hmm. all right like i i do not think with all due respect to the amount of people in infinite i i think it has become pretty clear that there are some significant gaps between the bottom of infinite and the top of infinite Mm. and you can see this by people like Dara and Dexter hard climbing, people like Johnson hard climbing. These are people who are very good at the game, but they also climbed like 2000 SP in like two to three days. Like This is this is something that was doable only because those people in those other ranks were significantly worse than them. You cannot normally climb 2000 SP in a few days if you're where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that Loki especially is like, uh, I guess I would say an underratedly difficult deck to play. Mm -hmm. When you look at the decks that are succeeding on those metrics, right? Like high Evo at 100 plus is very high. And I think that speaks to uh, high Evo is really fucking easy to play. It's really hard to fuck up high Evo. 
you are not going to be like, oh, I misidentified shit with high Evo. You do one thing and that's what you do in the game with Loki. It's like, no, you really like you actually can play the deck badly with high Evo. Like the skill floor is so high. <laughs> like It's very hard to play high Evo badly. Do you feel like you have a lot of opportunity to outplay your opponents in Marvel Snap in um, in a ladder in a ladder format like Best of One, uh, contrary to Conquest? Because my experience my experience at Conquest, um, you know, even Infinite Conquest or at the high levels in like a curated tournament was that I feel like there was a lot of opportunity to do that. How do you feel about that at the the higher Infinite ranks? So the way matchmaking is, is most of the time it matches me with people in my bracket. And then like some percent of the time it matches me with somebody who doesn't have a number by their name, which means they're below 5,000. Mm -hmm. And it's never clear how far below 5,000. But based on the MMR gains I get from beating them, it's pretty far. <laughs> so it's like the opportunity to outplay is counterbalanced by the fact that losing to them is like twice as bad as winning to them is good. Mm -hmm. Like I've lost, I, I've gained 17 from an eight cuber, 17 snap points from an eight cuber. And I've lost like nearly 40, right? Like it's, it's the, any opportunity to outplay is counterbalanced by how punishing it is to get those paired outs. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's, let's head into the news. So <laughs> you and I were kind of joking about it beforehand, but this week in Marvel Snap, not the most impactful in terms of card releases and shakeups to the meta. Um, that might change, but I want to get your thoughts on Ravona or just hear it from hear it from you, <laughs> Ravona Re uh, Renslayer. The three three. It says oh. ongoing. <laughs> your cards with one or less power cost one less minimum one. No, those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Not great, huh? <laughs> she's okay i don't know man like she's the exact kind of deck that loki blows the fuck out basically mm -hmm. right like loki's specialty is just absolutely shitting on like anyone it shits on two things the first is anyone playing efficient cards like fairly right mm -hmm. and the second one is like anyone who's like ah i'm going to invest to get this discount right because in the first case loki just plays your efficient cards better than you and in the second case you probably invested more than loki in getting that discount and it's less conditional for the loki player and so you just end up in this situation where like every deck you build is just like, oh, my God, why are we doing this at all? Do you think that the meta is, at least in your experience, your individual experience, do you find it to be healthy or would you prefer a more no. rock, paper, scissors oriented meta? Get Loki the fuck out of here, man. Okay. Like where, where is your where's your where's your personal pain point with loki and what what do you what kind of system the or fact what that it's the fact that be it's the best deck in the game by an extremely large margin and it kind of kills my ability to play anything else mm -hmm. <laughs> like like it is the best deck in the game by such a large margin and the only decks that i think are actually good into it are dog shit like cerebro what uh what prevents you from playing Cerebro three yourself? Every what? other deck in the game. Yeah, but theor <laughs> like you know theoretically, if because you just mentioned it before that your pair downs can be pretty intense in terms of how far you can go yes. down. So deck vari variability is probably correlated to that. So do you feel like you you have this this somewhat weak matchup in the form of Cerebro three, but is it is actually almost impossible for you to play it because you have the possibility of a pair down, which can be so punishing yep. you can face a non meta yep. deck. Yeah, exactly. Or not even like a non-meta deck. Most other meta decks, mm -hmm. literally everything but Loki. But Loki <laughs> like, yeah. like you lose to like a fucking a Red Skull, mm -hmm. a, a Red Skull existing and doing the thing that it does. Like you lose. It's actually really frustrating because you have like, ah, I've got a Valkyrie Shadow King deck. I should be good into Shuri, except you just aren't because of Red Skull. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, OK, that that's kind of awkward. Um, the, there's just a bunch of like weird stuff where it's like, man, I like, I like this deck and I want it to succeed, but it just won't or can't like how's Cerebro three beating high Evo. How you beating a wave? How you doing that? Like, I, I don't know. Like the best chance you have is, uh, you turn five magic, the turn they, they wave you. But even then, they still do a pretty decent amount of points. Oh, and by the way, they have a Cyclops that turns off your shit because you can't play Luke Cage. Because if you play Luke Cage, 
Loki gets to turn off the Valkyrie and the Shadow King that you use. And so it's like, ah, very, very good. I don't, I don't get to win that matchup. That's mm. nice. So we have Mobius releasing. Mobius is the 2-3 says ongoing. Your, car, your cost can't be increased. Your opponent's costs can't be reduced. Do you foresee this being enough to shake up the meta? I do think that people underestimate just how important Loki's discount is to him being good. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it, yeah. It, it, like getting your opponent's cards is one thing, but like I don't think people think about it the right way where it's like, okay, when I get my opponent's two-cost card, I'm getting a card that's like twice as good as theirs. Like, when I get my opponent's two-cost card, I'm getting like a Silk 1-5 is twice as good as a Silk 2-5, mm -hmm. yeah? Like, a Silk... Three, uh, or like a like a like a Spider Man two is like one and a half times as good as a Spider Man three, right? Like it's it's a significant force multiplier, and I think that's the thing that makes uh, the mid range deck matchup so punishing is they tend to be built around these good twos and threes, and Loki is just getting those times you know one and a half to two. And that is like if, if 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 it said something like get your opponent's cards double their power, I think people would understand why that's fucked up. But in this case, the power doubling is like in the context of energy discounts and it's not strict doubling. And so it feels a little more nuanced, but like a lot of Loki's power is wrapped up in that. And so I do think there is a chance. I think there there could be a chance that like, you know, for like a mid-range deck like Darkhawk, right? Giving your opponent just this bad piece of shit garbage might be fine, right? Like if they have to play full cost for your Darkhawk and your Rock Slide, well, then they can't play them both on the same turn. That's like good. But then the issue is like, okay, you're playing a deck like Darkhawk. You give them your Mobius and now your Zabu doesn't do anything. It's like, oh, it gets a little weird, basically. I, I think people are going to think it beats Loki and it is strong there, but I, I, I don't think it's, I don't know. I'd be, I'm interested to see what happens. Basically. I think, I think Mobius being out makes the game interesting again, mm -hmm. means that this, there can be some movement where previously or currently, I just don't think there's any type of movement at all. I remember seeing a developer response back in the early days of Hearthstone responding to um, players asking for, uh, buffs on cards by reducing their costs and they tried to explain that um you know these players who were asking for this didn't you know didn't correctly appreciate how powerful that was how powerful a reduction in just a single resource could be because it, it generally means it just comes down a turn earlier you talk about going from cost two to cost one it's like almost a yep. linear increase of power of 2x um it feels yes. like and i think that the re I think Loki is powerful because of um, because of how it reduces the cards in your opponent's hand. I think getting your opponent's card is actually probably bad, right? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, because yeah, like getting just your opponent's card sucks, right? Like that's not good. Yeah, or you take your synergistic deck, right, and now just replace it with yeah. half of your opponent's cards, and you, like you don't get their full deck, and you don't have your full deck. It's just kind of a bad deck. I mean, there's no honestly, there's no way that that. I mean, maybe if Quinjet, but you would have to be landing that card consistently. You'd have to be getting value out of something like Collector, and I just don't think you're going to get enough value out of those cards to not, you know, for... Well, I mean, Mobius is going to affect the Quinjet as well, so yeah, I think that... Yeah. I think this is genuinely going to change the meta, because I don't think yes. that Loki is good outside of the cost reduction, like, whatsoever. Loki's not good outside of the cost reduction, but, like, the rest of the deck kind of still is. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the issue, right? Like, it's not just that Loki is like this massive broken card that like showed up and created an entirely new archetype. It went an archetype that I already thought was really good. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you what deck I do think benefits from Mobius, though, and that's Move Wave or just like like that. That deck feels like it benefits a ton from Mobius because that deck gets shit canned by Loki's discounts more than any other deck. Like you talk about mid range decks that are dependent on twos and threes, right? And it's like, all right, so my turn two is a Craven. My turn three is a Spider-Man. My turn four is a Silk Jeff. And then they play uh, Loki on turn four. And then their turn five is Craven and Spider-Man and Silk Jeff. And you're just like, what the fuck was I doing this whole game? <laughs> like, like they're, they Loki you and their turn five is your entire game. You, they play everything on their turn five that you played for the entire game. And you're just like, why do I even fucking bother? 
(laughs) It's just you like, why do you bother? I don't understand. Why would you bother? I don't really get it. The funny thing about cost reduction in games like this is that I think that it's asymmetrical in terms of what, like where the cost reduction happens on the curve, like six to five is powerful. Um, You know, sometimes because six drops can be, uh, I guess more, much more powerful than five drops, but you know, going things from like two to one and especially one to zero yep. is where it starts to get insane. Yep. And we saw that with the original, the original working of Quinjet is like when you have zero cost cards and you actually don't have to incur any sort of cost for them. Um, it's actually busted. It's completely overpowered. Well, I mean, I think original Quinjet, I mean, honestly, or like uh, zero cost cards weren't busted. It was zero cost cards that drew, drew cards. cards. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, like that's zero cost cards. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, we shouldn't let them discount to zero. And it's like, dog, I do not think that is the issue. <laughs> like, I, do not, I do not think that the problem with Loki is that he cannot discount is that he can discount to zero. Like most when is that ever happening? Honestly, like it's like, OK, you get like a zero cost kitty and a zero cost snow guard. That can matter. But like most of what matters is like, holy fuck, they just collector Colson Loki'd me for five. <laughs> That's bad. I think your point about uh, Mobius is actually pretty valid with, you know, this this card might be very, very good against a Loki deck, but the Loki, you know, Loki exists in a deck. Um, the the mm. shell is already very good and you would put your opponent in a position where it's like they have to draw Mobius or my deck shits on them. And that's actually not a bad spot. Yeah. And it's like if they draw Mobius, yes. my deck it's still like, functions. Okay, if you draw Mobius, I can still play my deck. If you don't draw Mobius, you fucking die, idiot, because you played a deck that needs Mobius to beat me. Right. And it's just like, oh. That seems bad. That's a good spot. But on to the be other in. hand, like yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah, to be in. as a, as yeah. as the person playing the Loki deck, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, Marvel Snap, obviously twelve card game, low variance, but that that is a decent spot to be in. It you know it it hinges on the equity of your deck winning in matchups where the opponent does draw Mobius, and if it's high enough, then uh, you probably won't see a lot of shakeup of the meta. But it might give enough. It might be enough percentage points off of the Loki deck that it allows other decks to sort of emerge and exist in the meta game where that's exactly yeah. Right. Like it just you don't need to make like you just need to take a little bit off of it. Give people give other archetypes some room to breathe. Like one place that I'm interested to see Mobius is like if Cerebro three now with Mobius. Right. Mm -hmm. That's like a really interesting card all of a sudden. Right. What if you're a Cerebro three wave deck where you use wave offensively with Mobius? Is that stupid? I don't know. But there's like that's already a deck that beats Logi and is now getting a legitimately powerful new tool that can take the deck in legitimately powerful new directions, right? I don't think Mobius is going to enable the mid-range decks to beat Loki, but it'll enable them to do it some of the time, right? It doesn't have to do it all the time. It just has to be like if you just give if you give Move Wave, like it's being crushed under a weight right now, and you just need to give it a little bit of room to breathe. And if it has just a little bit of room to breathe that can change everything else and like that like once something has room to breathe once you can play it without like immediately getting shit kicked by 25 percent of the people you play against suddenly it can actually impact the meta again yeah and that's important and then the ripple the ripple effects to the meta game as you know that deck becomes more playable allowing you know sort of room for other decks to exist in the meta game uh it, right. that's the thing about i'll tell you i'll tell you what i think mobius might actually counter is Galactus. Oh god, please now. <laughs> uh because like there's there's a there's like right now a lot of the Galactus decks are wave decks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their strongest early games are that. And if they go for like, you know, Electro Hobgoblin Galactus, that's like a one cube winner at most most of the time, mm-hmm. two cube at most winner, right? And so they're in this weird spot where they want to play their own Mobius. So they can make wave one sided, right? But I'm not sure if that's actually worth the slot or if you're just supposed to be like, ah, screw it. We're good. We're just going to be Galactus anyway. Worst case, it's a 50 50. And then there's like. Like, I don't know that that's like a reasonable backup plan for those decks, just like YOLOing the wave with priority. And they might not be able to do that in in a Mobius world Mm. anymore. And that's. Like, I, I think basically Mobius has a reasonable shot at giving non-Galact... Like, the things people hate about this meta, Galactus Loki, has a reasonable shot at reducing their occurrence rate. And I think that's good. 
In retrospect, I mean, it's hard to say in retrospect, we'll probably talk about it next week, but I'll just ask you still now, do you think that if you could have re-round a bit to when Loki came out and maybe the week after, do you think you would have pushed the release of Mobius up if yes. possible, if technically possible? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I would have. I would have, without question. Um, but I think you probably don't ever do that as an actual game dev because all that will happen is people are going to be like, oh, they made a problem and they're selling the solution, right? Like, mm, and they'll, or, also, they'll, also, they'll also ask you to do it every single time, right? Right. <laughs> also, I just think like, I, th- I would accept an argument that Loki is not problematic anywhere but the top end of ladder. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd buy that because the deck is, as far as I can tell, legitimately very hard to play correctly. And... You like you can see this in the fact that like high Evo is a high performer at 100 plus data because that matchup is free for Loki. Like it's actually it's actually free if they if they have the slightest idea of how to navigate it. The high Evo deck is never going to beat them. But like I'll still get people in my YouTube comments saying like, oh, I just wave them. And it's like. That's an indictment on your MMR. Yeah. <laughs> That's we said that last week. Uh, that the impact of wave on a metagame is the Turing test of Marvel Snap. It's like that has been happening for so long. People talking about like, oh, but what happens if they wave you? It's like, oh man, oh man, what game are you playing? Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. All right, let's head into the bend and snap because we had a lot of uh, a lot of comments on the last video. So there's going to be two here, Kay. I just want you to sit through both of them because uh, I call this the dichotomy of bots. So first one comes from Comrade2k7. They say, why doesn't Cam understand that bots get the illusion of people uh, being good players? Winning keeps people in keeps people vested in the game it's the casino effect non-card games are doing this too the casual fan doesn't know they're facing bots my grandma loves this game she makes decks based on character appearances and still climbs then we have another comment this is from rjby the lake and they were replying to someone and they said i'm happy to see that I wasn't losing my mind you're not going to tell us otherwise uh, basically this it was a little bit hard to read, but it gets down to no, I can't it, get read it out loud. I'm trying. Read it out, I want to read I it don't verbatim. I think I can. I have the bold. Read it verbatim. I can't. They say I can't get to eighty due to bots, and it is not that it. It's not as if I'm playing the deck wrong. I don't know when to retreat. I went ten games. I went ten games. I don't know if I said one. Ten games off for retreats, losing cubes. Yada yada. Basically losing because of bots. And one person says that you know bots okay. are the reason why people win. They give them the illusion of being good players. The dichotomy of bots. What do you, what, first person's what do you right, actually. Yeah. First person is right. Uh, that is why bots exist in the new player experience. But when you say, like, I don't know why Cam doesn't understand that, right. That's totally cool for the new player experience. They shouldn't exist past that. Mm-hmm. Like, your grandma should not be infinite, right? That's the problem. <laughs> like, that's when I talk about, like, why bots should, like, you sure, if you want to say they're an integral part of the onboarding experience of Marvel Snap, go nuts. But your grandma should not be infinite. As to the second person, uh, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this. Bots are not the reason that you are not rank 80. Um, bots are way 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 easier to beat than humans Mm -hmm. you are almost certainly not playing them (laughs) and i think that the hundred thousand people in infinite like i I believe you could be playing bots but uh my experience is a decent amount of them are pumpers now they're not even like cheating to beat you they just do stuff yeah they switched that around recently they did yeah they did and in addition, um, I, I do not think you should struggle to beat even the cheater bots mm-hmm. because they are generally, again, following fairly simple rules. Yes, there's an like al- algorithm they, there. The, yes, you can very easily figure them out. If you are playing cheater bots, you should be plus cubes against them yes the vast majority of the time i think that it comes down to beating a cheater bot is is extremely easy if you can pass step one which is recognizing you're facing a bot first and there is a yes there used to be i don't know if it's still really the case but there there's a few tools you can do uh you could use to figure that out it was like um there are certain variants that they couldn't have there were certain decks that you know they were definitely selecting from a specific pool you'd pool and you would see cards that you would pretty much never see played um you You'd see them played to the board and you're like okay that kind of tricks something up you'd see certain names etc but 
could could a cheater bot and like like we talked about they kind of took those out a little bit at least reduce them could that they reduce uh, their incidence rate a lot yeah could they take cubes away from you and you know hurt your climb yes but yeah. on the whole they are extremely easy to beat as long as you recognize yes. um, and realize what you're facing because they will put you in scenarios where the only reason they're staying in the game is because they have you beat 100%. You basically just have to be able to recognize that. It's like, okay, yep. this, there's a 50-50 yeah. going on on this board. If I take the 50-50, it's not a 50-50. It's 100-0. Yes. I will lose. That's what you need to understand. Like, like Against the bots, just don't take 50-50s. Just don't do it. Yeah. Don't take them. Don't be like, oh, if I go here and he goes here, I'm going to win. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can do that against a normal player. And that's actually the thing that bothers me the most about a bot is, first of all, I think a lot of people misidentify bots, mm -hmm. um, especially now. They've gotten a little bit better at hiding them, but a lot of people misidentify them. There's a lot of misinformation out there about how to identify them. Like I've seen people saying like, oh, they copy my splits. As far as I know, they have never done that. They do, they do not do that. That would just simply be luck. Uh, what they do do is they tend to end the turn about a fixed amount of time mm -hmm. after you. They tend to make plays that rely on like specific RNG outcomes, and you can see that happening. And they tend to have, uh, and this is not always true, they tend to have like weird splits, like just weird ones that a human being wouldn't have, like a super awesome variant that's like blank mm -hmm. and not like modified at all or like a foil with like like a like an awesome foil with a super rare kirby but it's like a f like a prism foil and like nobody would actually run that the stuff like that is like that's such a weird split that you should get your bot radar up a little bit mm -hmm. um like the aesthetics of a random number generator rather than the aesthetics of a human but like none of that is obviously proof of them existing. The only proof we have, of course, is that we have they have been confirmed to be in the game. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if you're struggling to reach rank 80, your issue is not that bots are preventing you from getting there, because I think that if you were you are almost certainly a good enough player to be smart enough to beat the bots enough times, mm -hmm. like on the whole, they should be helping you, not hurting you. Uh, like there's like a, for, there's an right? inflection point. There's like an inflection point, right? Once you hit X level of skill, they're going to be helping you. And all you need to do is hit that level of skill and understand it. Yeah. So I think you'll be okay. One thing I want to point out, though, which um, definitely used to be the case to like a, a very egregious and apparent extent, but is still the case is just the, the climbs to infinite are not the same. Um, they can be drastically different from player to player, depending on where they end up in the MMR and like what's being fed to them. I don't know if it's regional, regional based as well, like availability of opponents, etc. But some I mean, people's climbs. After, after the SP thing came out, that makes perfect sense, right? Yes, it does. Like, like when you look at the fucking the, the drastically large amount of people who have 6,000 SP, I feel like there's probably 50,000 people like half of infinite is probably in the 6,000 mm -hmm. and people over 10K. I think there's probably like 25 of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, on all servers. And <laughs> what I want to what I want to point out is like. I know there's some people that get really irritated when we talk about the infinite climb being a chore. We talk about it being boring, but that's because we've passed like, again, not to overuse the word, but an inflection point to where it is like that. But there is certain areas of like the ELO or the SP or whatever, where your climb will be harder. Well, whether it's just because you're facing more opponents or I don't know, but you're not getting fed this like bot fiesta that, that we are. Um, and yeah, I know some people just get really frustrated about it. It's not as bad as it used to be. It used to be pretty gross, but um, you might just be in, the, in a section where you have to face more opponents. So it still doesn't mean that it's a it's a skill issue, maybe why you're not getting there. But it might it might be frustrating to see some people kind of get it for free while you have to go through. Uh, you kind of jump. Through it some definitely ropes. is frustrating. There's no might about it. Like it must suck to look at me and be like, why the fuck does this guy get an easy climb and mm -hmm. I get a hard one? And the answer is because the devs have prioritized protecting you from me more than they've prioritized my gameplay experience. What? <laughs> the answer, weirdly, is that they prioritized you. Yeah, it's weird because well, it's different now because we have a leaderboard. But what do you think about Infinite, like the highest rank, the most prestigious rank in Marvel Snap being so accessible and being in 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 a sense so fueled by this like artificial experience via bots? It feels a bit Boy, inauthentic. We got to start talking about Dumpster Infinite, man. Like, 
I don't even know what to say about it. Like, the fact that there is such a gap between low and high infinite. There are people in infinite with, like, in the 5,000 SP range, right? That's half of where I'm at. Like, that. that's nuts. That's insane. The implication there is that I am as far away from them as they are from someone who's never played the game. Mm -hmm. That's... That's wild. Like, what, what this infinite has done to me is called in the, into question the legitimacy of any data using infinite as a proxy for skill. Yeah, this, that's, that's what it has done for me, well, is made me think, damn, this 100 plus filter is not helping me. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird that, what do you think about it from the, uh, the publisher side, where they've decided to, they made a ranking system, and we've been talking about the issues of the ranking system for almost a year now, um, but they made a ranking system, and then they put the the top end of their system. And of course, like I said, they implemented leaderboards, so there is something after that. But but their highest rank to be so accessible, and to an extent, it gets artificially fed to people via systems like bots. It's like it feels weird and on rails to an extent to get to infinite. Mm -hmm. and I understand that if you're listening to this, you have an infinite or you have infinite once, like there is, you will get one climb or two climbs that are hard. And then after that, you'll eventually get into an ELO bracket where it is, that is not the case, or maybe you just get more experience with the game, but they eventually, they, I don't they actually think that's true. I think if you stay in the six range, you'll probably play a bunch of people all the time. I don't yeah. really know. But is that easier? Like that? Oh, it's definitely harder than the, than the climb. That it's definitely I harder than beating a bot. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> harder than beating a bot. It's definitely harder than the climb I get. It's just, what do you think about the philosophy behind Second Dinner putting their highest rank to be so accessible to so many players? Is that the way to go? Is to is that is that the experience you want to give players? Like everybody can reach the highest rank, or does that take does that take away from? I the don't system? think they wanted. I don't think they cared. Like, why yeah. do they have a leaderboard? Because a bunch of people wanted a leaderboard. True. That's it. They don't care. Like, like, and it's not even like a bad thing. It's just like, it is what it is. They are not built to be a game. They don't want to be Hearthstone, you know? They're not built for that. They want to be a casual game, right? Why do they have a leaderboard? Because they can. Because a bunch of people were like, hey, can we get a leaderboard, right? Mm -hmm. it was, it's worth investing in if it's a feature that your customers demand, but it is not indicative of a commitment to, like, eSports or whatever, or competitive play. And that's really what I'm getting at, or it's like it's it, it's not they don't care. It's just like people take it to mean more than it is. What they did was they delivered on a feature that a lot of people wanted. And that does not mean that they're going to do esports. <laughs> yeah. Competitive integrity of Marvel Snap. Uh, it's it's uh, it's an enigma for sure. Yeah. Like people are like, what about the competitive integrity of ladder? And they're like, what about the competitive yeah. I mean, like, literally, mean? Since, since season one, there has been zero competitive integrity. <laughs> the ladder, but, competitive integrity yeah. of ladder. Yeah. Get out of here. I feel like the the stop ladder system is an artificial system that is fed to you to to try to get dopamine ticks and make you feel like a good player. Yes, that's welcome. That's every ladder system. Yeah. You have invented ladder systems. That is what they are. But some ladder systems, that dopamine is, no. ga is gated by other human beings rather than it's like literally right. fed to you by an algorithm. But I guess if you sure. could, yeah, I know some people are like, uh, they still feel like even if there was no bounce, they'd be like location batching, you know, counter matchups, etc. <laughs> like the algorithm exists. All right. Whenever I switch decks, I get a counter. This proves that there is a machine in Second Dinner's headquarters focused strictly on me to know that when I put Odin in my deck, they should put Cosmo in. Wait, no, that doesn't work. What about when I put like that? That's that always kills me. The deck counter matchups. Like, how do you define that? What would you define as a counter deck? So what they would do, um, and I haven't, I, 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 I haven't thought about this at all, by the way. <laughs> okay. I'm coming up with it on the fly. And it's going to sound like I've thought about it, That's why. What they would do is they would Freestyle. take the data. They would match the cards. I guess they would compare the cards against each other. They would just figure out what series of cards has the highest win rate cross with referenced against your, your deck, your series of cards. Wait, right? But like, like but that would that would create like we've seen how complete fucking dog shit like basing stuff off of that kind of information can be right. That would create like a deck where it's like, all right, so this card is good against this deck for reason A, mm -hmm. and this card is good against this deck for reason Z, and we're just gonna put all of them in the same deck, and, and that's gonna deck. be a good deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's like that's the issue, right? It's like, it's like saying like, ah, oh, well, 
okay, you know what beats, like, imagine you're doing this data for Loki, and you're like, all right, look, Cerebro is a really high win rate card against Loki, so you put Cerebro in the deck, and then you put other cards in the <laughs> deck that aren't for Cerebro, and it's like, how how would you suggest that they do this? Cerebro <laughs> Dracula, like, oh my god. Yes, <laughs> it's like, what's good against Loki? It's like a mishmash of, like, three different decks. Like I just like or 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 they could do it by clusters, right? They could be like mm -hmm. this this grouping of cards has had success against Loki, and so we make you play against that all the time. But if that were true, why the fuck am I not playing Cerebro three more? Why do I keep playing mirrors? Like I don't I don't really know. I think the answer perhaps is that a bunch of high ranked players have realized Loki is broken. Maybe that's why I'm playing so many mirrors. No, mm -hmm. it must be deck based matchmaking. <laughs> Like, I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. I never, I've never understood in any game how these mechanics of doing deck-based matchmaking would work because any kind of, like, let's use AI to do this thing would just result in, like, the dumbest piece of shit deck you could imagine. <laughs> and, like, right now, like, what? Oh, if they had a magic Loki counter deck? Fuck, I mean, shit, hit me up, like, DM me. Like, you got a Magic Loki counter deck. I mean, the easiest way to get that out there would be to use content creators to spread the word about it, and boy the fuck have we not done that. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Loki, we have another comment that comes from Snapchaps Pod. They say, do you think the popularity of Loki drives the stats toward 50%, i.e. Loki is in every deck, then Loki yes. wins every game, loses every game. I mean, I'm not sure what yes. data what data uh, filters we're using. 25% on infinite rank in... 25% uh, on infinite rank in... Uh, on untapped. But I do think that's, like, not necessarily uh, a reason to discount those numbers. Mm -hmm. I think there are other reasons to discount those numbers. But the fact that there's a bunch of mirrors is something you have to take into account when you play Loki. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We have a uh, we have another one here from Connor VR. So we talked about the having paradox last week, uh, and they say oh the reason it's not a paradox is because the time it takes to travel um, each half distances is approaching zero. So when you take the limit that considers both distances and time, it matches to how it physically behaves. So you're having by zero distance. Um, that actually makes sense. So the having paradox is actually a framing issue where you're framing the, where like the framing is off distance, the distance approaches zero. And if you were doing it in a bathtub going out of water, the, the amount of volume, I guess you were having by would also approach zero because that's the limit for people interested in the, in the paradox we we're talking about. I actually had a lot of, there's a lot of people that commented on that, especially on Twitter. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Cam, I just want to ask you just a little bend and snap from me. Uh, because we have the Dan Hip spotlight. What is your what's your favorite variant artist in the game? Hold on. Before we talk about the my favorite variant artist, I just want to say um if they're gonna make money off of these artists' names, they need to be giving a percentage to the artists. I understand that the artists signed licensing agreements with Marvel. I understand that the artists signed whatever rights they had away. Uh, I understand that they have no specific delineated right to make money off of the use of their art in this form. That said, they should be making money off the use of their art in this form. Are you fucking serious? Well, let me tell, so, let me tell you what the, the clear ethical problem is for me is that a lot of people, when they buy these things, think they're supporting the artist. Even if it's not explicitly stated, yeah. they never they never lied to you. They never told you that that was what was never happening. Lied to you. But um, people, people do buy these bundles. Um, and a lot of people that are maybe not on social media haven't dove into whether that's the case. It is just, it's, it's, I don't know why, but I would assume, and it's normal to assume that this actually supports the artist because it is using the name. There's like this bundle and it maybe, it, maybe it does in the sense that if their bundle sells, they will get more work in the future, but it does not work the way that most people assume it works where it's says, Oh, I'm buying this. And part of this will go to Dan hip or, uh, Rain Gonzalez, I know Dan Hip specifically is actually like a bit of an exception to this because Dan Hip has been commissioned by Marvel Snap for Marvel Snap art mm -hmm. uh, outside of just like, say, someone like Art Germ who like draws a cover and then that cover gets used on a snap card, for example, right? Like Art Germ Arrow was a snap cover, right? And as far as I know, he doesn't make any royalties off of that. He doesn't make any like percentage of the sales of Art Germ Arrow. The rights belong to Marvel. And so like as much as, you know, 
as much as I bag on Archer on this podcast, that still fucking sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what you think about someone's art. I'm sure plenty of people hate Dan Hip, but uh, people should probably, they should probably get a percentage. And I think a lot of the arguments against this are going to be, well, why didn't they ask for that? Or why didn't they sign? There's no reason to give them a lot of this sort of procedural bullshit. I just think that, you know, just because they don't have a clearly contractually delineated right to this does not mean they shouldn't have it. And it certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask for them to get it. Uh, so before we talk about my favorite artist, let's talk about that. Second, second of all, um, it actually is. I, I checked recently because I have like a top four, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Hip, Flaviano, Kim Jacinto, and Rian Gonzalez are like the top four, right? But I checked recently about like using the variants that I use. I use way more Dan Hip variants than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Any other artist, like the most Dan Hip variants. And that might just be because there are more Dan Hip variants, but I use like 20 cards that I use are just, the my default is a Dan Hip. Mm-hmm. Probably more than 20 now. And that is uh, a lot, I think, due to his unique style. I tend to like things that sort of take the piss out of people taking things seriously. Oh, so you'll love my collection then. <laughs> I, I tend to I tend to gravitate towards that mm-hmm. where it's like it's the same reason that like all my card backs and stuff were mostly the default guy. The little like I just think that I'm a I'm a minimalist. I'm I'm a minimalist and I like sort of uh shucking norms if i can right yeah and so what that means for me is like i'm this hyper competitive player but all my variants are like pink and cute it's kind of oxymoronic right yeah yes i uh enjoy that most of my collection is actually chibis and babies because i thought it was funny in a competitive setting it is funny it is objectively (laughs) funny in a competitive setting like it is it is a subversion of expectations yes yeah all right. Well, that was the Ben and Snap section for this week. If you want to get your comment right out on next week's episode, you can shoot us a comment on YouTube. All right. I just want to go into the, well, we don't have too much, not much of a main topic. It's mostly news and Ben and Snap this week. But I just want to get your thoughts on meta complaints, ask if they're valid, and talk, talk to you about oh, the- Oh, boy, are they. Yeah. So yeah, they're valid as fuck. What do you this think about the sucks. philosophy behind intervention and like when should second dinner be intervening to sort of- um, change metas like this, whether improve them, buff cards, nerf cards, etc. How aggressive should they be? Uh, I just don't know what, like, okay. When you release a card like Loki, it took me, I don't know exactly how many games it took me of playing Loki to figure out how fucked up this was, but it was like day one. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like, oh, wow, this is heinous. This is like the most fucked up thing I could possibly be doing. It's insane, right? And then there's this, like, I it's so weird to call this a secondary concern, but it's like, all right, we knew how much everyone hated Galactus. Let's make a card that brings Galactus back. What if you just didn't do that? Like, what if what if you let Galactus languish on the scrap heap of history where he belonged? Like (laughs) my boy, what if you just what if you just let him be like a 53% win rate deck the rest of his life? That's fine, right? Like, just let him be like a 50, like a maybe a little bit above 50. But then they made Eliath. And now Galactus has like a 20% play rate. And like a pretty reasonable win rate. And it's just like, why, why would you do either of these things separately but then also, why would you do both at the same time? I can see the argument for Loki. It's like, all right, we want to just absolutely fucking shit on mid-range decks. We're sick of Shang-Chi decks being everywhere. We're sick of things being built around Shang-Chi. Fuck Shang-Chi. Fuck the horse he rode in on. We're going we're gonna to drop a nuke on that deck archetype. And they did that. And you know what? Fine. Sure. But then they released Eliath the very next week. And... A lot of the like, you remember when we had Glenn on mm-hmm. and we he talked about how like Hella was good and Tribunal was good and he was fist pumping over that. Do you know why those decks aren't good anymore? Eliath. Eliath. Mm-hmm. You fucking just gave everyone a tool to nuke one of the things that you were so excited about being here anymore. And you replaced those decks metagame share with Galactus, a deck everyone hates playing. 
like I, I don't think this is like something you can leave at Elias feet necessarily. Like Loki is definitely the better card, mm -hmm. but all the diversity that there could have been in the metagame, the multiple decks that could have attempted to beat Loki, a lot of them get crushed by Elias. And so now it's just Suri Row 3 left. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, now that's the only option to beat Loki, and it's not good anywhere else. And so you're just sitting there like, well, what are we supposed to do? I think that Loki is one of the most, from a design perspective, is the most fundamentally powerful card that we've seen printed in Marvel Snap because yeah. of how many cards you're actually getting reduced in cost and the the paradigm you put your opponent in where you're copying their deck and reducing the cost so their only answer is to play a bad deck. Like, just from the pure philosophy, not even playing the card, experiencing the card, the card is, the, in my opinion, the most powerful card that we've ever seen in Snap. I do think that Mobius will not doesn't change that aspect all it will do is make mobius a must play and a must have to count combat <laughs> loki and loki will still be the best card yeah. in the game if mobius is good a good enough of a silver bolt which i don't think it will be loki will see less play but loki will always be there for if mobius how do you even fix him you, 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 well first of all to fix him you have to change him in my opinion which is that that's that might sound obvious but i don't think that's a given because like a lot you know some people might look at it like bring more cards like Mobius in, bring more counter cards for Loki and it will go away. But the way Loki is currently designed, it is going to be, if Mobius is powerful enough, inversely correlated to Mobius. So if Mobius play goes up, Loki play goes down. But if, you know, if the meta has to respond to Mobius and the play goes down, Loki will always come back because it's just broken. It's just, it's too powerful. How would you change it? Oh, it's yeah, like, I don't know. It? So it's probably like copy your opponent's hand, reduce X number of cards uh, cost. What yeah. about, what about, okay, hear me out. What if he just didn't reduce cost at all? What if we just nuked him? Yeah, well, then he would be What bad. if we just fucking nuked him? He would still be novel. What if we just, he would still be novel. He would still be, yeah, he'd still be around. Like, what if we just, what if we just dropped a bomb? Hmm. I think that like, the issue is that, so Loki is... The reason why Loki is so powerful is because you're putting him in a shell where you're getting like max value of the Loki effect. Um, I think if you reduce that top end, like that ceiling on Loki, and you made it a set number of cards that are reduced and maybe randomize that as well, you would stop people from getting entire hands that are reduced by Loki because that's why it's so powerful. Because if you like Loki is directly hinged on how many cards are getting reduced in cost. Like Loki reducing two cards in cost is one level power level, but Loki reducing five cards is like way more powerful and that's probably that's, that's like not happens. how they want to do it right probably like, not here's the thing though it's not it's not congruent with marvel snap design right where if yes. it was going to pick two cards like at random yeah, out of the five that. you copied like i don't even know if they have they the technical that. functionality to do that to be honest it, it, it it's it's half congruent with the design which is like the way they like dealing with this stuff is by lowering the floor and increasing the variance right leaving the high roll in but also adding more low rolls you can see that in how they deal with like basically everything mm -hmm. um but i don't even know how you do that with loki how do you leave the loki high roll intact but also introduce more low rolls what does that even mean with a card like yeah that? Like it would be like you can't even you can't even I can't even come up with a conception of it that would do it. Well, first of all, it shouldn't be a three five. He shouldn't be he shouldn't yes. be generously statted at all with what he's currently doing in the game because his effect, in my opinion, his effect is the most powerful effect in Marvel Snap. <laughs> so you couple it's that, you Mister Negative is still stronger. Um, but like if we made Loki a four four. I'm cool with that because I don't even know if that would change much for me. Yeah, it's just like Mr. Negative is contextual off the cards that are available and the cards that you build with and the cards you draw work Loki is I feel like it's less contextual because you're fundamentally discounting all the cards in your opponent's deck. So the actual ideological paradigm of Loki is that you play your opponent's deck for cheaper. <laughs> and yeah. if you do that without incurring massive opportunity costs, it is overpowered. It, I, I, there's no way it's not overpowered and maybe that's the same you know mess negative follows the same sort of uh where philosophy. was this when we previewed loki dude man? i said, like, I said you, this i said this we can go back to you it you didn't say I it did. you didn't say this i wasn't as i wasn't as uh sure about it but i said i basically said cost reduction has been the most powerful thing you can you always need do to snap. be more sure about this next dude, time we, you could rewind to it i actually said how no, is this card time, not broken i want you to 
Next time I want you to give me this this version of the argument. I want you to fucking blow me out of the water. Dude, I, this is what I said. I just said it with uh, less fervor. I said if you play your opponent's deck for you bring, play your opponent's deck for cheaper. So my my so we I evaluated Loki in like two minutes because I wasn't thinking about it before. But what I didn't anticipate was how easy it was to fill because I thought it was like okay, put him in a Thanos shell. You know, you draw a bunch of cards, mm -hmm. these stones, you put these shitty stones on the board or somewhat shitty stones, and you're clogging up your board. But ultimately, it's like we reduce a bunch of costs and like there might be some variance with that. <clears throat> but then what happened and the shell he got put in wasn't a Thanos shell; it was much more efficient, and he just was crazy. And it's like we took the Loki C Healing, and we do it consistently and that's just too it's too powerful but i think from a design like the actual design perspective like the the fundamental paradigm between you and your opponent when you play loki is you play their deck way better than them and that's just it's it's not you can't i don't think you can balance that unless loki incurs huge opportunity costs which is kind of what mr negative does right you drop it on turn four you effectively do nothing on turn four this is the this is the design of mr negative not how it's actually played every single time but like you drop it on turn four it does literally nothing it takes up a board spot has zero power and then you might draw the cards that are that are you're gonna get payoff for um so loki yeah. being sad is a three five whereas with loki it's just like yeah, uh, I play it as a 3-5 on turn 4 after playing a Snow Guard, so I get 7 of those cards immediately. <laughs> think oh, about, by the way, my Collector also gained 9. 3-5 stat line, right? 3-5 stat line, draw parallel to Polaris. Polaris is... <laughs> That Polaris is a very powerful 3-5, but that is seen as like a pseudo downside. I know we a lot of times will use it as an upside, but it's kind of a downside. Loki, like... Uh, just put those cards together and like you and i think that polaris is on the higher end of power level but loki just blows it out of the water with like what it's doing because even the floor of loki i think is better than polaris all the time like if you even loki like a couple cards it's just so strong um depends on what's in your hand but yeah like just loki a couple cards it's like all right yeah sure whatever and I think this is the thing that I missed when evaluating it is like most decks in Marvel Snap do the same thing. It's not like you're a control deck that's getting a bunch of aggro cards that don't do shit for you. No. That delineation doesn't exist. We all every compete on the Marvel same Snap axis. Does points. Yes, every yes. single deck competes on the same axis except Galactus. To an extent, <laughs> Galactus still does compete on the axis. There is one win condition to Marvel Snap. One win condition. And yeah. All decks function on the axis of trying to win on that singular condition. And you basically yes. do, you take your opponent's game plan, and then you buff all the cards to high heaven, and then you play those cards. It's crazy. It's just... Yeah, it, you take your opponent's game plan, and then you do it approximately like 1.5 times as good as yeah. they do. So how do you balance it? I think that Loki... Like I said, the balancing idea that I gave, I don't know if it's technically feasible. I don't know if it's, it, it's congruent with uh, Marvel Stein game design um but you could print a silver bullet card like mobius and i think that you would just have two inversely correlated cards whereas one play rate goes up and the other play you know they will just simply bounce balance off each other which is not actually very healthy and it makes mobius a must own card as well i also think that mobius is not that much of a silver bullet but i do think that yeah loki although this would be kind of sad for the people who maybe didn't get to experience him if it just copied your opponent's hand with no upside and maybe had better stats, I guess you can't really make it a three, six. Maybe you could, maybe you could make it a three, six or a three, seven. It copies your opponent hand. <laughs> opponent's hand doesn't reduce it. I think that that that's, that's the aspect of Loki that they were, the essence they were trying to capture with the design of the card is you have this card in your deck and now you get to play your opponent's deck. And that's cool. That's a cool, it's a cool concept, right? So keep the essence, but take out the, uh, the cost reduction reduction is just too much. I never, I never see how it's balanced unless you have right. hyper. So yeah, you, 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 you agree, you agree with the nuke. Just get rid of the cost reduction entirely. Just be like, this, this just copies the cards in your opponent's decks. We, Fuck you. We would have to offset it, right? He would have to. I don't think he could be a three five with that ability. It would be too bad for you. I don't think he would see play. Um, maybe, Honestly, maybe. if you made him a three seven with that ability, I think he's broken, right? Because then he's just like what he reads as is. You go like mm -hmm. yep. you, you just play him as a three seven on the final turn of the game and get like eight points on your collector or whatever the fuck. Oh, like you're a dino deck. You're a dino deck that just does like collector Loki final turn. And that's like 15 points. So I would that seems <laughs> awful. I actually see the paradigm a bit different, although that's correct. I would see it as you are guaranteed to play the highest value three costs in the game and then you and your opponent play the same cards for the rest of the game so you'll just be up on them by two points no yeah matter no, what no, three. but you're not playing it you're not playing it uh during the game yeah. what you do is you just do it final turn with a collector or whatever the fuck 
and then trade in all your cards for their cards, play a three seven and get your collector to like seven. And then it's like, ah, yes, my most incredibly balanced 14 power, five energy turn seems bad. We it's going to be interesting because we get to see we're going to get to see Glenn flex his uh, his game design skills because, you know, they've 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 hit they've hit pretty well <laughs> on Galactus Zabu in particular, where they've reworked cards and not yeah. exactly how I expected them to. And it worked out really well. They um, did really good. Yeah. So this is going to be a little test for for Glenn on on Loki. How are they going to fix this one? Um, yeah, I I'm interested to know because like again they keep saying like oh, the numbers aren't that bad and it's just like brother I I don't know what to tell you other than your numbers are sourced from people who don't know how to play the game <laughs> like I just I just don't know what to tell you. We talked about them balancing around that a, though, so they, that's what they that, do. that's that's the experience they optimize for. So maybe the numbers are. That's okay. my fear, right? That's my fear is they just leave this, and it's the only deck I can play for three months. That's my fear. Maybe. I don't, is that would that be a bad thing? Is the question. I mean, yes. obviously for, be for you, it would be a bad thing. But be really bad if the data says it's a good thing. I mean, I mean, Glenn came oh, on this podcast and talked man. about he talked about the player they optimize for, kind of, and you kind of the experience they optimize for. And in uh yeah, it's not the top end. We we never expected mm-hmm. it to be, but I we're assuming that the negative experience of the top end percolates down to uh, the medium end as well. Like the play at some point, other people will realize that you can beat Haivo very easily with the stack. <laughs> at some point, people will figure out how to do this, and it, uh, eventually that will percolate down. Right? I still remember in League of Legends, it was a crazy thing to play Lee Sin and drop a ward behind your opponent, oh, yeah. dash to it, and then kick him back. And now that's a thing people in silver do. Yeah. And it's like, when, that's that's how it goes. When, uh, when like, Faker, like, flash hooked on Thresh, and it was, like, the craziest, like, highlight reel, and now I feel like it also happens in silver. <laughs> it's, uh... Wait, yeah. that wasn't Faker. That, what, was, who was, that it? was not Faker. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? I can't remember. I don't know, but Thresh was a support champ. Is a support champ, right? And Faker's a mid laner. Okay, so I do... F- you're right. I don't think was it was... Fengi? No, I've, somebody will know and they will tell us on the YouTube comments. But basically, okay. yeah, there was some prominent player. Uh, Thresh had came out and a lot of players were playing Thresh. Thresh is a character in League of Legends that hooks other characters. And bot lane is like very support oriented. And this player was consistently using their offensive uh, spell flash to like flash and like aggro hook people back. And it was like crazy. <laughs> uh, and they were, you, yeah, they were and now heavy that's predicting. just like normal. Yes, they were like, like... To be clear, that's just like literally normal. Maybe now. it was Faker the one that um, the opponent flashed and the, the Thresh hooked predicting the flash. And it was like the mm. clip of League of Legends and now it happens all the time. Anyway, uh, Cam, one last, thing <laughs> I, one, one last thing I want to talk about is um, the deck you posted on Twitter. It's a Patriot... Well, it's a Brood Patriot list. Yeah. Talk about... How do you feel about that one? It, it, I didn't really come up when we were talking about the the best decks in the, at the top. Of it's the cool. Like it, I like that it doesn't try to cope. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of decks are like, I'm gonna beat Loki by playing Wave, and that is like just like galactic level cope. Mm-hmm. This deck is like, I'm never gonna beat Loki ever. <laughs> like, I'm gonna beat Loki when they don't draw Loki, and that's fine. Like, it's not, like, a great win con, but it will happen a decent amount of the time, and you can play to it, right? Is this a a deck list you have your eye on as Mobius comes out? Sort of. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard to fit him in there, not just in terms of... Like, there are so many cards that I want to fit in there, right? It's hard for a deck like this to... This is a deck that could run 15 guards. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to fit Mob in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For people watching on YouTube, I have the I'll have the list popped up um on YouTube. But for people listening, it's Forge, Mr. Sinister, Patriot, Brood, Silver Surfer, Absorbing Man, Iron Lad, Iron Man, Blue Marvel, Alia, Doc Doom, America Chavez. Oh, you talking about 15 cards just reminds me of this funny little thing that's happening in Lorcana right now because we're very early in the game. There's like all these players that are playing like 61 64 67 cards i don't know how the card oh, the yeah. card game fundamental of playing as few cards as possible has not uh is not just lasered into people's brains at this point but um yeah i've got this, some people making that argument it makes me definitely makes me giggle anyway uh cam anything else to uh to end on before we close out for the week 
I think I'm good. It's been a pleasure as always. And thank you so much for people listening. I think I broke my expletive record. <laughs> yeah. This time. Yeah, probably. We're, we're gone. We're on consecutive expletive record episodes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed all the expletives. You can leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com slash snaps or you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, it's the number one thing you can do to help us out. Uh, it's It really, really pushes us up in the SEO. So we appreciate it. The video version of this at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit like, subscribe while you're there. Helps us out even more. Brendan APG, KM SMS on Twitter. KM is streaming. Okay. KM, your schedule, sir. God only knows at this point. Uh, 6 p.m., but also sometimes later than 6 p.m., but also sometimes at 6 p.m., but also sometimes not that day. Uh, it, it's I stream in the evenings, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Eastern time, and you will be able to catch me playing Marvel Snap on twitch.tv and yelling at my computer until my throat gets sore. <laughs> uh, I literally, I literally might not even stream today because my throat hurts that much. I've re- this is my second podcast of the day. And I just want to I just want to not breathe for as long as I can. What's the um, what's the goal uh, this season and probably next season is? Are you really shooting for rank eh, one? Not really. Not until they fix how like hard slash easy it is to climb. We'll see. Right. I just want to like do well. I basically just try to go positive every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that that has led to, you know, I've, I've been in the top 15 for like two weeks or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. But it's it's cool awesome thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next week Bye.